Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me, as always, is my producer, Kevin Black. And this week, we have another special guest joining us, Chris LeBron from the Off the Ball Network. Uh, Chris, I'm glad to have you in, my man. Uh, For anybody who doesn't listen to him yet or follow any of his stuff on social media or his show, Chris, I want you to explain to everyone a little bit about um, how you've kind of got it into the podcast and the radio business, what you what you hope to do and, and where everybody can find you. I usually do that at like the end of the show to give a little plug, but uh, you've been doing a lot of great stuff from what I've seen. I think your story is actually pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. This is uh, uh, I'm really excited to to be on the show. And but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. You know, uh, I've always obviously had a you know passion for sports and and basketball and all this. And I. I dabbled into podcasting, you know, a few times in the last few years, but just never could have found my, my, you know, my niche, my, you know, just, you know, just wasn't consistent enough. But then, you know, I would say around last year, I I just said, you know what, let's just do it. Just go for it. Let's just try it. And I went with it. Had no clue what I was doing (laughs) when I first started. Zero clue what I was doing, Uh, you know, with reps, like anything with repetition and practice and got better and better and just just kept going with it and you know it's it's just crazy how far it's come from me just talking to my computer screen with no structure at all to now where I'm having you know some pretty cool guests and be able to expand you know the podcast and go into it starting up a, a network and having my podcast on a big platform like Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel it's pretty it's pretty surreal it's pretty crazy and just you know the, the amount of networking i've been able to do it, it's been crazy man it's just it's so much fun you know i enjoy the heck out of this and you know uh it, it just you know it's just like i said it's crazy i i still can't believe where i'm at right now with the with the podcast it's it's taken a world of its own and you know uh just each week trying to 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 uh get better and better at this and like i said i've had so many great guests especially with the draft it's crazy like the draft stuff i've always been a fan of the draft uh football draft baseball like i just love drafts fancy football draft i'm just a big draft guy no matter what and you know i remember have you know when i around right before covid actually happened i remember having matt babcock as my first like big guest and i'm like you know and we talked about the draft and and who's coming out and and potential fits for for like the knicks and all that and it you know i guess when i was like you know what i really like the process and and, you know how he was explaining guys i was like this could be something Mm -hmm. this could be something cool so i started to see if there was like another you know if there was other people who were into like doing the draft because you know we're so accustomed to like seeing people on ESPN and Fox sports and, and getting stuff from Bleacher Report and all these, I was like, there's gotta be other people who, who do this stuff. And just, you know, I didn't know there was a whole different world. <laughs> there's a whole, there's a draft community that I didn't know existed. And I, I dabbled into that. I talked to some people, tried to get some guys on, got some guys on some really cool guys that know their stuff and just been fascinated with the process. And so I've done a lot of draft shows. I've done live mock draft shows and, and just the amount of network I'm able to do when being able to talk to scouts and, and, and all these things. It's been so much fun, man. I just, it's just been a blast and I'm, I'm looking forward to see how far, how much further I could take the podcast and the network, you know, uh, at, so it's pretty cool, man. 
Well, that's what's so interesting is that for for anyone who's been listening to this podcast since its inception, um, this previous summer with everything going on during COVID, I I come from a scouting background. As I've said previously, I I, I worked for a private firm. Um, Mm -hmm. I've done a few things here and there on the video side with, with, with some NBA teams. Um, yeah. certainly done, done a few things with my video department, um, and, 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 and working with some people back from, from my home college temple. So, um, it, it's really interesting to see how many people who are much more accomplished in, in the world of scouting than I am, yeah. like Matt Babcock, like Chad Ford, so many of these guys coming back, um, to, to the public landscape and, and, and bringing a different spin to it from a media perspective. And I think that's what's so fun is being yeah. able to have these kind of real conversations mm-hmm. with a lot of other more accomplished people and scouts um, for the public to consume, not just holding this information behind closed doors. And that's what's really led me to want to create this platform is yeah. to teach a, a lot of the, the the general public and the fans who are interested in the draft and more interested in scouting kind of bring them into the conversations that go on behind the scenes. So I'm glad that I've been able to do that. I'm glad you've been able to do that with, with your platform for, for anybody out there. After you listen to the show, follow Chris on Twitter at off the ball pod. He, he's a great follow, shares a lot of good content, has a lot of good people on his stuff. So that, that's yeah. why I wanted to have him on today for a very special show. This is the first draft deeper GM style mock draft that I'm going to be doing here. We're going to go through this for 2020. So how this is going to work is I've laid out an entire first round where I've kind of put myself in the mind of if I was running each of these teams, choosing at that draft spot, what would I honestly do? Who would I honestly go with to add to my team? And naturally, I'll be bouncing these picks off of Chris. We'll we'll kind of share some thoughts about the pick itself. Maybe we'll get into some talk about our evaluations on the prospects. And, and we're just kind of free. We're going to go off the cuff. We're going to freestyle with this a little bit. So I, I'm really excited. Chris, you ready to hop in? Let's do it, man. All right. So at number one, we've all heard the talk, the trade <laughs> speculation with what the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to do. I did not expect when that draft lottery happened for, for them to land the first pick. I think on, on our Twitch stream that we did live for the draft lottery, I think I was as shocked as probably a lot of people were on <laughs> yeah. that they were the ones who got number one. If anything, I thought it was going to be somebody like Golden State, just the, 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 the God smiling upon the NBA's golden child again, giving them the number one pick. But they got number two. Minnesota has number one. Um, I If I were in their shoes, right, and again, we're not going to project trades in this mock draft. I, I can't really project anything that we don't have concrete information on. We have to do this mock all 30 picks as if there's no trades. Everybody's just picking straight up. If I look at who they have, they have two franchise cornerstones potentially in place, still on the young side, and Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, both ball-dominant players, both yeah. can work with the ball in their hands. Without the ball in their hands, I think to help them establish themselves better offensively as well as to get everybody else on that team involved, I think they need another ball handler, another primary offensive initiator in that lineup, and that's why I have them going with LaMelo Ball. Now, there are concerns about that. There are concerns about if D'Angelo Russell and LaMelo Ball are a good defensive combination together. I'm on the side of things that you you heard Mike Schmitz talk about 
um, on ESPN in recent weeks here that he feels that LaMelo is not going to be a, a negative defensively, despite you, you might, you might've seen um, at times in his play with the Illawarra Hawks that he was sometimes disengaged defensively. Yeah, yeah. And I think that happens with a lot of younger players, especially from a lot of the systems that he came from um, growing up playing with his brothers at Chino Hills. They were, they were offense first. LaVar always had them kind of focused offense first. So there are going to be a lot of growing pains with him defensively, but he's six, seven, he's a big guy at the end of the day. If, if he's put in the right position to succeed defensively with, with, with the right personnel around him, with the correct schemes, um, matching him up and asking him to guard the correct people. He's six, seven, right? Like you see guys <laughs> like just an example off the top of my head, like Tobias Harris, he, he's probably no better than, than an average defender yet. He's, had some good moments just because of length, he, yeah. He, he, yeah, he's because because of his size, because of his length, he's been able to 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 find the right matchups defensively. Naturally, if he gets asked to to guard somebody like in the playoffs, I, I was screaming at my television when he kept going. He, he was the one to guard T.J. Warren um, in, in that in that first bubble game because that that just was not somebody that he should have been matched up with um, as like a main shot creator. But if you stick him on the right guys, have him in the right situation, he can at least not tank your defense, right? Yeah. And with everything LaMelo brings to the table offensively, he's the best passer in the draft, hands down. He can make every pass you would want him to. Um, he's shown flashes of being able to score on ball. Um, his pull-up game, he, he's a three-point gunner. He, he mm -hmm. loves to stand behind that arc and, and yeah, gun yeah. those threes. So um, what, do you, what do you think about LaMelo, Chris? How would you evaluate him as a prospect? And do, am I really off the mark here having him go number one? Yeah, so LaMelo Ball, obviously, he's been in the spotlight for a, a long time. And, you know, it's uh, he's one of the most polarizing players in this class. And it's a lot of people, you know, have been going back and forth with him. You know, they, they get scared of him because, you know, we've, you know, LaVar and all, you know, people worry about the defense and the lack of physical effort. And I think one thing I've, I think the one thing that I, when I think about LaMelo and I evaluate is, is that drive, is he going to have the drive to want to be great? You know, cause a lot of guys who are coming into the league, you know, they, that, that's their motivation is to, is to, you know, to be great and, and get to that next contract where they can make a lot of money. And he's already have all the fame, the money and all that. Is, is that going to be a motivation for him? You know, is that mm -hmm. going to drive him to be, want to be great? You know, that's the thing. Does he want to be great? The talent is there, right? We see the passing. I mean, well, what do most people tell you? They fall in love with the passing, right? He's just a, he's, he, he's going to come into the league and be a tremendous passer, right? And that's going to be great for Towns and, and Russell and, you know, and all that. But it's, it's those things, those, is he going to come in and want to be great, you know? And that's the one thing, you know, going into Minnesota. And then, you know, I know LeVar, you know, that's another thing is LeVar. Do teams want to deal with LeVar? Because he's going to talk. <laughs> it's it's inevitable. He's going to speak up. He's been quiet of late. You know, he was quiet, you know, when when Lonzo got traded to uh to New Orleans. Is he going to speak up? Is he going to say something if, if Lamelo's not playing right away or he's not playing the minutes, he's not playing fourth quarter minutes? Is that, you know, is that going to be something that's going to be issue on our teams going to want to deal with that. I know that may not be a big issue and for some people, but I still think that could be something. So I, I, I don't think it's crazy that, 
you know, if LaMelo does go number one, because he may have one of the highest upsides in this draft. And in this draft particular, you may, you know, I, I definitely see a lot of teams, you know, taking a chance on upside and just going with that and seeing what works. So definitely not shocking to see if LaMelo goes number one. But, there, you know, there are things you got to work with, you know, uh, his, uh, you know, his shot making ability and, and, uh, and just efficiency. Uh, but the passing, like I said, his length on defense, you know, it, it, he he just picks pockets everything. He holds speed. He steals everything. I wouldn't be surprised if a few years he he well, he's a, a league leader in steals and all that. But you know, but if you get him and you and you mold him, you could be getting yourself an all star type player. So I could definitely see why Minnesota would take a chance and take him uh, uh take him number one. Yeah, like like Lonzo, right? Like Lonzo yeah. is is a a great steal artist. Um, yeah. and and I think those two compare very favorably that that is my my real comp for Lamelo is his brother Lonzo because I feel like yeah, they, yeah. they both play a similar style I, I think they want to do the same things now Lamelo has better um, touch right around the basket he yeah, has a yeah. much better layup package and and, and diversity and uh-huh. in, in the amount of shots that he can make around the basket Lonzo yeah, is yeah, yeah. A, a very standstill initiator who certainly can act as a catch and shoot threat when his shots on in the same yeah. way that Lamelo Campbell Lamelo just has so much more upside yeah. to being a, a primary scorer. So yeah. um, that's that's where he he overshoots that comparison. And I, I'm rooting for all these kids in exactly, the draft. Right? I, I am rooting for Lamelo because yeah. there's just that that showtime factor that he can bring to the game. And having him and D'Angelo as yeah. potential wizard passers on the perimeter for for Minnesota certainly opens things up. It, it allows Towns to be a better um, catch and shoot option. From from the corner or out behind three that he'd started to do a lot more of last year. Oh in, yeah, he was in, in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, definitely. His shooting took off last year for sure. Yeah, and so if he's going to keep looking for for those kinds of shots, then what better way to to try to get him the ball than have not one but two lead ball handlers that that can yeah. certainly <laughs> find him cut, cutting and then uh, passing to the outside. So I, I like that pick for Minnesota. I think if if I had to put money on it, if I had to put my actual hard-earned money on it, I think that's what I would bet that Lamelo is going to be drafted number one of the Wolves. I don't think they're ultimately going to move that pick. Now, the next pick, this is a great segue to some pick that actually could be traded. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the Warriors. If I was the GM, if I was acting as head of basketball operations like Bob Myers, I would take James Wiseman here. Um, I, I personally, as a scout, I have him second on my big board. I think the offensive upside that wasn't able to be shown at Memphis to me is just way too intriguing on top of everything he can do defensively, his athleticism, his open court speed, um, his his length, all of those physical tools and the potential defensive package wrapped up with things that you've seen here and there offensively, even going back to high school regarding his ability to handle the ball a little bit, um, to drive to the basket, make plays off the dribble. These are all things that over time, again, he's probably not going to be doing a lot of those things or or showing a lot of those skills in bunches his rookie season. But over time, hopefully by the end of his rookie scale contract, he will be doing those things a lot more frequently. And at that point, we're, we're talking about crazy crazy upside at his size given his physical tools so um do you think chris that golden state's going to keep the pick and if they do who would you take at number two knowing that Lamelo is off the board at least in this mock 
I mean, I I, I think that they, they're going to make a deal and trade this pick, uh, you know, because they're in win now mode. You know, obviously they, they dealt with injuries. You know, they got some, you know, Clay Thompson was banged up, you know, uh, dealing, uh, you know, Steph Curry and all that. So they got some injuries, but they're, they're still in win now mode. They're still trying to win a championship, you know, so. But if they do stay put, to me, James Wiseman, I, it, I mean, the upside alone is probably worth the second pick, you know. Mm-hmm. He's a freak athlete. Like, he is f- super freaky. Like, 7'1", uh, crazy wingspan. The, I mean, there's not a lot of 7'1 guys who, c- who can move the way he, James Wiseman. Like, it's, you're not supposed to move that well being 7'1", 240 pounds. It's 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 just it's crazy like what he can do and the potential like we didn't see much because he only played three games and, and the whole incident with Memphis but you know he was highly touted out of high school and, and to me I mean just looking at him and just just projecting him him you know a couple of years down the line I mean we could be seeing a guy who's 25 and 10 right like he's just that good so um it's just I would uh, if if they do keep the pick, I think they should they should definitely change James Wiseman. They definitely need a big two. So uh, I mean, James Wiseman at two, I I wouldn't be shocked if that's the pick if Golden State uh, keeps the pick. Yeah, he makes sense. He has upside in his own right. He can help them immediately, as you yeah. mentioned. They have that hole at the center spot. I think right now, if you had to peg their starting center, it's probably Kavon Looney. Um, yeah. So they can upgrade. Yeah, they could definitely upgrade at that. They position, they they, so. they could they could stand to upgrade. So. I, I, I like that pick. Moving into number three, the Charlotte Hornets, I would I would choose Anthony Edwards here. I know there's a lot of buzz about Onyeko Okongwu potentially going here because Charlotte's been looking long and hard at, at drafting a, a big man of the future. But just given where this league is, where the league is probably going to continue to go, being so perimeter and, and guard-oriented, I think passing on Edwards here would 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 potentially be a mistake. I know there there's questions. I have had questions about his his IQ, his understanding, his feel for the game is raw, but anyone out there who has the same questions, I have to bring myself back in a little bit and, and just remind myself and everyone else who who has that critical evaluation of him that he really only started playing basketball at a high enough level um at, at the age of 16. He he yeah. was a football player growing up. And he transitioned to basketball, where clearly at at six five, almost two hundred twenty five pounds, he he's built like a tank. He yeah. he's built to play this game at a high level athletically, um, skill wise. What what can he honestly do on the court from a scoring perspective? Right, he's a three level scorer. Exactly. When he's on, he's on, and he's dropping buckets like putting up crazy numbers against a good team like Michigan State. Um, he he he's going to drop the same amount of points. Um, at least in some NBA games, the question is how consistent can he be? So, um, Chris, do you, do you like that pick at number three for for Charlotte specifically? Do you think he's a good match with Devontae Graham and Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington and some of the other young talent they have on that team? Yes, yes. They they need star power too, right? They 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 need star power, and Anthony Edwards is that. Like, I feel like I think for most people, like obviously this draft could be all over the place as far as the people I've ranked, but I think for the most part. Everyone has Anthony Edwards pretty much, you know, top three to five, right? I feel like, you know, that's the consensus with him. Everyone has him in that spot. So with Anthony, uh, he's just he's just so skilled. Like you said, 
three level score can do everything uh you know i just i like his his moxie his his you know i, I watched the the you know the the stuff he did with uh mike schmitz mm -hmm. in ESPN, and just the way he was just presenting himself he was engaged and i i just liked that i was like all right he's got he's got this this it factor to him right and it's just i don't know he just brings that that energy i think and uh that that i like about him and i and like i said Charlotte needs this, right? They they need some. They need to, you know, to get some star players and, and continue to build. And I mean, he could come in right there and, and be an instant impact player for them. So, I mean, Charlotte would probably be doing backflips if Anthony Edwards is here at three. I mean, they get themselves a potential star player and, and uh, you know, someone that could be the face of the franchise. So, it, it, you know, if he's here at three, you know, Charlotte definitely definitely should be running to the zoom podium and go take it to and go take anthony edwards you know uh super fast because to me i mean that that's a home run if he's there at three yeah and and i think i think he's a good fit also from the fact that you you talked about the personality he was able to show um yeah. schmitz which by the way anyone in our in my audience here um who who hasn't gotten a chance to watch a lot of those those video breakdowns oh, that Mike tremendous schmitz did, tremendous it, it's not even that Schmitz is picking out clips necessarily that will like blow everyone away from like an evaluation standpoint or, he, or he's making a lot of points that haven't been made before, but yeah. just being able to, he's a, he's a great interviewer and he's a great conversationalist oh, yeah, at, yeah, at the yeah. video guy. So having that and being able to, to get these prospects on camera, listen to them, watch them talk about um, what they're seeing through some of these clips that that's just mm -hmm. great for anyone yeah. to see, especially makes them feel comfortable way. too he makes them feel comfortable because you know he's not just going to talk to them about the good things they do he's going to be like hey you know you didn't do this you know what do you, what was your thought process going through so he he he, he gets in he gets them engaged makes them comfortable and you know talks about the good and the bad so that's what i love about the schmitz videos i could watch those videos all i think i watched yeah. i watched the, the the bane one today i watched the uh, uh tyler Bay. i watched like four or five of them today because I just love the interaction he has with those guys. Yeah, it, it, it's great content. So definitely anybody who hasn't seen those, um, go go check them out. But yeah, Ed, Edwards, he, he's a very, he's, he's a mild-mannered kid. Um, he's a good kid. He, he certainly can be in, engaged and, and fun. You, you saw that on that video. So I think he's a, he's a good kid. I think he just he just needs some some more basketball direction and he needs the right people around him, right? Exactly. And when, right. when you talk about Devontae Graham, Longtime Kansas starter, came from a great program. Bill uh, Bill Self is one of the best at instilling confidence in his guys, getting them to play the right way, and showing them how to play the game at a high level. Um, Miles Bridges out of Michigan State. Tom Izzo, obviously one of the best coaches in, in, in the college basketball business. P.J. Washington came from Kentucky, a John Calipari guy. So we're talking about three starters that would be around him, all great character guys in their own rights coming from – um, great college programs that that really taught them how to play the game the right way. James Rego is a great head coach. I'm glad that he's had the opportunity that he's had in Charlotte. Um, Mitch Kupchak obviously running that front office. Um, they, Char Charlotte's done a lot of good things in, in recent years, in, in the last like two to three years that not a lot of people talk about all the time. So, yeah, yeah I yeah. agree. I think they, they just need star power. They need that home run hit. And Anthony Edwards has as much talent as anybody else in the draft. So, um, I, I, I like, I like that pick. So oh, yeah. mo moving on to, to the Chicago Bulls at number four, um, they, 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 they need a point guard flat out. They, they, mm -hmm. they need a primary initiator who's about getting others involved, not necessarily just scoring on the ball. I think 
Um, I, I like Kobe White. I think he showed a lot of good stuff for Chicago last year. I don't really see him as being like a lead guard on the ball, making plays for, for everyone all the time. I yeah. think he's much better off the ball, being allowed to kind of score, get a bucket, do his thing, um, catch and shoot. He, he proved to be a, a, a better than, than I expected, at least three-point marksman um, out of the gate in his rookie season. So that's why I have the Bulls taking Killian Hayes. Now, there are some people who would say, well, why not Tyrese Halliburton here, right? Halliburton's a very smart guard who doesn't always need the ball in his hands. Can, can make plays for others, is, is definitely an unselfish player who's going to bring um, a winning style and a winning attitude to a team. I'm not knocking Halliburton in any way for, for any of those characteristics. I, I like him. We're absolutely going to talk about him here in a little bit. But I just think with Killian Hayes, I, I think from, from what I've seen, he brings a lot of that same style of playmaking on the ball, and he himself presents a level of upside scoring the ball and being more of a complete guard that I don't think Halliburton ultimately has in him. Now we may be proven wrong about that in, in come in the coming years. I would love to see Tyrese Halliburton obviously succeed in an even higher level than I have him projected. But Hayes to me compares favorably to Goran Dragic, yes, um, yes. A, a, a guard that we've seen in his prime um, had some incredible years in, in, in Phoenix. And certainly he, he showed his worth, or has shown his worth playing in Miami the last few years, even certainly in the bubble, um, making a name for himself, helping the Heat achieve success. That while Jimmy Butler can come out and say that, yeah, he believed they could do it all along, I, I don't think that team ultimately thought, oh my God, we're definitely going to the finals this year, right? Yeah. So he he definitely helped them overachieve, being a veteran presence, being able to score from all three levels, get other guys involved, being unselfish. Um, and holding his own defensively, being that that competitor that he is. So um, that's why I have Killian Hayes at number four. Chris, in, in your mind, I, I guess I'll ask this question. Who do you like better as a prospect, Killian Hayes or Tyrese Halliburton? Oh, Killian Hayes is my number one player on my board. So Okay, you're in the Kevin O'Connor bandwagon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all in on Killian Hayes. To me, he he's uh he he's he's my top player. He's just if the Bulls get him here, I think him and Kobe White together could be a really, really good uh combo. Cause Kobe White could play uh it doesn't you know I know people think he's a point guard, but he could play off the ball too. So, you know, I think that's a perfect combination, you know, having them two together, you know, I think that'd be, that would be dangerous for teams, you know, uh, playing against them. But Killian is my best player. I just, I love everything about him. I love the playmaking. I love his ability to, 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 uh, to, to create. And, you know, I think he, you know, he just, I love the way he sets up. He's a great playmaker. He does, he, you know, how he gets to the basket and all this. I, he just, to me, he, he, he's one of those, one of the few players in this draft that I could see being a perennial all-star. He just, you know, his ability to, to go, you know, attack the basket, you know, finish. Uh, I know people worry about, you know, you know, his ability. Yeah, he, lo he loves going left, right? I know people talk about that a lot, but I think those things can be worked on in the league. I know his three-point shooting is something people worry about too, but, you know, when you're playing overseas, the game's different and all that. I think, you know, once he gets to the pro, because, I mean, his, he's a great, great free-throw shooter too, so that's a kind of an indicator that he can work on that too. So, you know, he shot 88%, you know, free-throw line, so I think that's a good indicator that he can get better for, at three from the three-point line, so I know. I just love the, the playmaking. I just love everything about his game. I think he can be 
you know, uh, an, an instant impact player and someone that could be an all-star down the line. If you pair him with Kobe White, man, that's a that's a lethal backcourt for Chicago. So if Chicago, this is Chicago, you know, if if Killian's here at four with Chicago, man, they they that's another they run to the Zoom podium again and and take him because that would be another that'd be a great fit for Chicago. Yeah, I, and I think I think my projection for Killian Hayes, the concerns that I have and the concerns that have been shared um, from from a number of evaluators who don't have him as high as, as like you or like Kevin O'Connor, for example, at the Ringer, um, is that Hayes might not be as explosive on the ball, driving to the basket and being able to to create in, in that way to set up the rest of his offensive game. I, I think if if you're able to limit him as a purely perimeter-oriented scorer, I think that's where he gets in trouble as far as his jump shot and, and the type yeah. of jump shots that he ultimately wants to take off the dribble. But if that's if that part of his game isn't an issue, he's able to get to the basket and kind of operate in space and, and create for others, that, that opens up his perimeter game. And when he takes good looks and rhythm, I don't see his three point shot being an issue whatsoever. There's nothing about his form that really alarms me. Um, I, I think he is going to be able to be like a 37, 38% three point shooter in time in the league. And if that's the case, and he's able to pick his, his spots elsewhere on the court inside the arc, I mean, we're we're literally talking about a complete guard in the mold of like a Dragic, just who I compared him to. So I, 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 he he's been a tough guy for me to rank. I, I have him I, I have him seventh on my board. I would mm-hmm. love to to be able to to move him up. There's other guys I like um, more than him ahead of him, but he's absolutely like every guy that I kind of have in my top ten. I, I really like a lot, so I don't want that Great. number Same where they are on my board. Yeah, to really be like the ultimate be all end all indicator of like, hey, I I don't like him as much as a guy before him. No, I, I probably do. It's just, if I really have to pick and choose, you know, gunpoint to my head, where am I going to draft these guys? If they yeah. are, are putting them on my board, working for a team, that's where I have them. Right. So I, I like Killian Hayes a lot. I think that would be a solid pick for Chicago. And I agree with you. They should be doing um, backflips if they're able to select him, not have to give up any assets to go get him whatsoever. Um, sure, so, sure. Moving to Cleveland at number five, this is a really interesting one because yeah. the more people you talk to, I don't know where you're um, at on their backcourt pairing of Colin Sexton <laughs> and Darius Garland. I guess that's probably going to be the question I'm going to ask you because I have Denny Avdia going here um, at number five. Now, I think Drummond's going to be with the team. Kevin Love, there's been there's been talk that he's not really going to have a home. He's not going to have a market for him. So he's probably going to stay in Cleveland as well. And then you have the young backcourt there. So um, having another guy to slide into that three, four role, I think would be great, especially a guy like Avdia who there's question. I have questions about his ability to be like a primary initiator from like, you're going to handle the basketball. You're going to dribble like five, six times, go one direction, go the other direction, make a play for somebody. Right. I have questions if he's that level of initiator, but just in terms of making quick sound basketball decisions, I think that's where he shines the most. And I think having two other guys, two other guys in the backcourt who can handle the ball and make plays for others get him the ball you're able to run certain sets for him allow him to do those small things in terms of playmaking and maybe get them open um, run some quick actions with like a kevin love or like an andre jarman and then as you were seeing 
um, during during the whole NBA shutdown. But uh, Danny was actually able to play games yeah. um, overseas, and he really came on flashing his three-point shooting ability off the catch. So I, I don't think that's going to be an issue for him, even though some people have pointed to the free throw numbers being a little low and the efficiency numbers being a little low for for what he did for Maccabi Tel Aviv. I don't I don't think that's going to be an issue for him long term in the NBA. I think he's going to be a good enough shooter. Um, he's that 6'10 combo forward. I would project him out if I had to give him like a comp in the mold of, in mold of like a Danilo Gallinari. I think that's who he compares to very favorably. And mm-hmm. if he can be as good as Danilo, keep in mind, I know Gallinari has been hurt. Um, quite a bit in his career, but when he's been healthy and when he's been on, he's a great player. <laughs> he, he's a great player, not even just a good player. He's a great, great player. So, he was an all star this year. Like he was almost an all star this year. Yeah. So if that's who Denny ends up being, like that's why I have I have Avdia number three on my board. That's why I have him there because if that's who he compares to favorably, and that's kind of like a ceiling he can hit. I mean, who wouldn't want that kind of a player on their team in in today's game? So I guess. Um, Chris, do you see him as a fit with those two guards? Do you think those two guards are definitely going to be there long term? Or are you maybe operating in the camp of somebody like like Chad Ford and John Hollinger just talked about um, on, on Chad's pod that maybe you still take a guard here? Or, or if, if you think that he somebody like that might be a better fit than one of those two that's there right now? Oh man, Cleveland, man. They <laughs> I don't know what they're doing sometimes in Cleveland. It, it, it seems like it's just a mess. Uh, um, you know, I didn't understand why he took Garland last year too. That was kind of a, a head scratcher. You know, I didn't understand that. But, you know, in this case with Denny, I mean, you know, Denny, like you said, it, he could project to be a Delano Gallinari, but maybe a better playmaker. You know, and Danilo is a solid playmaker and stuff. And but, you know, and not the slasher that Denny is right now. You know, if he can get to the shooting aspect like like uh, like Gallinari, I mean, we're talking about a, a, an all star level player. So, I mean, he has all the talent, uh, you know, can can his playmaking ability is tremendous. And, and that's some definitely something, you know, Cleveland could use along with, you know, Garland Sexton. And, you know, uh, they got Porter, you know, there, too. You know, uh, so, you know, they, they got a. Uh, you know, they got some guys there and, you know, adding Denny would definitely help. You know, it's going to be interesting to see with the fit with Kevin Love and, and, and Drummond there right now. And I don't, you know, those two guys also been in uh, in trade rumors. So interesting to see where they'll they'll do there. But uh, Denny, the Denny pick, uh, I think, uh, you know, it would be a good addition. You know, his playmaking and all that, you know, it would definitely help this team. And I know the free throw shooting and, and the three-point shooting people really worried about. But like you said, when he came back, he definitely improved uh, his three-point shooting. And I think the free throw can definitely get better. So, you know, Denny here, I mean, he, he's, he, could pre- he could do a lot of things really good. So, I mean – work on the three-point shooting and free throw shooting, I think that can definitely improve. So uh, I wouldn't, you know, this would be a good pick for, for Cleveland, but uh, uh, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and Denny was, was so accomplished overseas in, in his own right. He obviously wasn't Luka Doncic level, (laughs) but, but I mean, he has a list of accomplishments in his own right. And if you're bringing in another smart competitive basketball player to Kevin Love, who is obviously an an established all-star um, Andre Drummond, I think at this point has become underrated. I know that he might not be a max contract, um, someone that you want to pay that amount to in today's yeah, yeah. NBA, but let's let's not undersell what he is. He's the best rebounder in the league. He's 
arguably one of the better, more athletic rebounders of, of all time. We could that that's a different topic <laughs> for a different day. But exactly. I yeah, mean, yeah. if you look at some of his his, his gross numbers um, through throughout his, his his relatively young career here, I mean, he's been magnificent on the boards. Um, so you add Denny with those two front court guys, those two back court guys, um, Sexton and Garland, who can also make plays for others. Um, Garland was obviously coming off of an injury coming into his rookie season. I think he's going to be um, better this year than he was last year. So you're talking about a, a four round one offense, potentially four guys who can move the ball. Let's not undersell Kevin Love's ability to pass and, and, make oh, yeah, tremendous pass. and, and, and be live in some of those actions. I, I, am I crazy to think that that's like that's a team in the Eastern Conference that could potentially challenge for like a bottom seed? Am I am I that crazy? Like just knowing what I know about basketball and watching enough of the NBA, I yeah. don't think that that's bad, that bad of a team. In the East, yeah, I mean anything could happen in the bottom of the East, you know that for sure. You know, it, you know, you could definitely be an eight seed. It just I don't know. It's still weird to see how they can figure out everything. I don't like, and they said they'll, you know, are, is Kevin Love in a part of their future? Is Drummond a part of their future? You know, you know, uh, you know. I like Porter too. Like I think that's that's another good young player they have. You know, uh, so you know, just seeing how they they fit everything together and all that. But they, I mean, they do have the potential to possibly be, you know, in a, a uh, up and coming. Team and you know fight for you know uh, possibly an eight seed, but it's just going to be interesting to see how they work everything together, especially if they add Danny to this team. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I wish Kevin Porter, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., nothing but the best. I know he was yes, sharing yeah, 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 things yeah. on social media that um, could could lead some people to be concerned about him. I I, I wish him nothing but the best. I hope that um, he he's able to to bring himself in healthy in, in all aspects exactly, for his, his exactly, next yeah, season. Yeah. yeah, you're you're right to mention him. He is a talent. Oh, um, he's so good. He, he if if you know, uh, obviously I, we hope he, he gets everything together. And and if he gets everything together and he's his his, his he's on the right you know track mentally, he's he's going to be good one. He he's going to be good. And like I said, to add to this team already with with the guys they have, and then you add Danny to that, I think you know they they could have some players on this team. Chetty Osman, yeah, yeah, still have guys. So exactly, yeah, exactly. I, I think that could be a really competitive team. Oh, yeah. Um. At number six, moving moving to Atlanta, there there's obviously been a lot of talk that this pick could potentially be on the move too. Um, mm-hmm. Trey Young wants to make the playoffs. That front office wants to make the playoffs. But I think it might be a mistake not taking Isaac Okoro here um, and actually keeping that pick. And here's the really interesting thing about Okoro. I think he's exactly what that team needs. Exactly. Um, Long term, I know there's questions about is, is John Collins like a potential max extension type player is, is he definitely your your four or potentially five man of the future he hasn't proven he can play the center spot yet that's mm-hmm. why they went out and got Clint Capella to kind of anchor that defense um so if you could move off of Collins and maybe they're not looking to do that I'm not trying to be a reporter or aggregate content here <laughs> um, but just if I'm doing this mock draft if I'm drafting from a GM's perspective if I could move Collins get enough assets back or, or another good player in return for Collins draft a Coro to potentially be like that four, three of the future, that defensive monster that he is along with Capella. Now we're talking about two great defensive weapons around Trey young and some of those other younger guards that they have who shouldn't be sold on at any point. Um, like Cam Reddish, like Kevin Herter. Um, you, you have those offensive weapons around Trey Okoro in his own right has offensive upside that can be tapped into. And then obviously you have, you have Capella. 
man in the middle for that team. All of a sudden, that becomes a really versatile um, yeah. lineup. With the, I, I know that Trey's limited defensively, and he's not the biggest player himself, but you, you have Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, and then Okoro, all guys 6'6 or bigger um, to, to, to help defensively, and then obviously Capella with the shot-blocking monster that he is um, and operating out of pick and roll, spreading the floor with those other three guys. So um, do, do, do you like that pick a lot, Chris? It sounds like you do. Oh, this is like a perfect fit. Like I, I remember post-top talking about like which players and teams are perfect fits and Isaac Okoro and Atlanta are like a match made in heaven. Like, like obviously we're hearing the rumors or trade rumors of, uh, you know, possibly getting Drew Holiday. And I talked to a couple guys, you know, who are Hawks fans. I'm like, I wouldn't do it. I would just go if if uh, Isaac Okoro is there, boom, that's your that's your fit. He's he's the perfect fit. That's the guy you need. Like a guy who's a lockdown defender, right? He's the best defender in this draft. Right? On ball, off the wall. He's just he's just gonna get into you. He's a physical specimen. Like he's everything the Hawks could use right now. He's just I think it's a match made in heaven. Okoro in Atlanta. Uh he's, you know, I think People are so focused on the shooting. And listen, early in the process, that was my thing too. Like, oh man, his shooting, man. I just don't like it. But then someone told me, what? just focus on everything else and then get to the shooting. And then I, I looked at it that way. I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this stuff. As I watch it, I'm like, wow. He has a tremendous motor. He can slash. He be, be, His ability to finish. I'm like, okay, he does everything else pretty darn good, you know? So, you know, the shooting get could get worked on, but, you know, he does everything great. I mean, he goes into Atlanta. I mean, that's a match made in heaven to me. That's just a perfect fit. So Isaac Okoro, Atlanta, I don't think they should trade the pick. I don't think they should go after Drew. To me, it should be Isaac. You know, he, he's just he, – what he could bring defensively along with, like you said, adding Cam Reddish, you know, Horter. You know, they, remember, they took DeAndre Hutter last year. You know, so I think that this is a match made in heaven for him. And then, you know, the shooting will come. I think the shooting will come. But everything else, he does everything else pretty damn good. So, to me, you know, Isaac Okora in Atlanta, that's like a match made in heaven for me. It's funny you mentioned DeAndre Hunter. That's literally where I was going to go with with my next yeah. point. Is that when 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 you're kind of like a, a supervisor or, or a boss of your company, you see somebody, what, what, what one of your workers, not necessarily performing up to their full potential or to the best yeah, of their yeah. ability. Sometimes, if if you want to make a really sneaky move to get the best out of somebody, you bring in competition, right? Yes. So you just drafted DeAndre Hunter last year. He was nowhere close to what you thought. Um, he was going to be in his rookie season. Obviously, he's still young. I know he was um, a multi-year player at Virginia, but he wasn't what you thought he was going to be next to some of those other guys. And and Cam came on the second half yes. um, of the year before um, the, the the COVID shutdown, but he kind of had a disappointing rookie season in terms of the overall talent we know he has going back to his high school days as mm -hmm. well. So what better way to light a fire underneath both of those guys mm -hmm. than bring it who plays the same position as the both of them and at the very least is going to give give them a, a run for their money I guess worst case scenario if if there's somebody that ultimately you don't like out of those three maybe you throw them in um, in some kind exactly. of package, possibly with a, with a Collins or somebody like that to, to really hopefully bring back like another big fish to play with those guys but um, yeah, I, I think honestly, I, I don't see any downside to, to making an Okoro pick. That's why I have him going six to Atlanta. Um, at number seven, 
the Detroit Pistons could go a number of directions. There's all of this buzz about Patrick Williams um, being being a favorite in, in that new Detroit Pistons front office. I'm not a fan of that pick. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Detroit needs another project player. Um, Saku Dumboya kind of already gives them that at that four yeah. spot. That that young forward with heavy upside in his own right. I mean, if he pans out to, to some oh, of the yeah. people they show internationally, good Lord, they have, they have a player. Exactly. Uh, I, I guess there's some off court, the questions potentially um, him, but I, I have on Yeko Kongu going here and that might disappoint Washington wizards fans. Um, in that <laughs> office. I know that they would, would love to have um, him to, to better compliment John Wall and Bradley Beal. But um, if you think about what Dumboya could be at that four spot, especially defensively, then you have Okongwu at the five defensively. Now you have a defensive foundation for years and years to come. Two incredibly young guys who are could potentially be switchable anchors uh, on that end of the floor. Forget what Okongwu can even potentially do for you offensively in his rookie year. I just think that good of a building block on such an important end of the floor, especially um, in, in a league that's become so offense-oriented, at some point you have to be able to stop somebody if you're playing in a meaningful game, right? Yes. So having another anchor like a Kongu, I just feel like that's a really solid pick, and I, I don't think Detroit should be trying to make a splashy or a fully upside-laden pick. They have some young guys that they want to continue um, developing, and I think a Kongu is a really good fit here as someone who... We're, I, I think as sure of a thing as, as could be in this draft, at least on the defensive end. So um, do, do you like that pick, Chris? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely like that pick. I like it Yanka a lot. He, he, uh, he does everything pretty good too. especially around the paint. You know, he gives me like some, he, a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying he's he's this player, but he gives me some little bit band vibes with with some Trez a little bit too. You know, not then, yeah, yeah, not maybe not as intense as Trez, but has some Trez vibes to me too. Also, with, with some Bam, you know, well he's gonna be. He's, I think he's like you said, he's one of the safer prospects, and he's just gonna come in, and he's just gonna, you know, do what he does defensively block shots and you know i know that's not going to be the sexy pick for detroit you know i know some detroit fans might might want to get someone who can help you know you know uh score and stuff or maybe get a wing or something but uh i know i've heard top, ob topping too but you know getting a guy that can help anchor defense you know like what a Kongu could do you know his ability to just you know just just cover everything in the paint you know i think that that would be a great pick for detroit and uh to continue to just add good you know good player like that you know you can't go wrong with that so if oyek is here at 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 seven man that that's that's another uh that's another uh home run pick for detroit and they should just they should take them and and just continue to build absolutely so number eight ah yes is this is a very popular spot, a, a, a heartwarming spot in your mind, hopefully, Chris. Yes. You are a Knicks guy. Yes. Um, Cole Anthony is the top player on my board. <laughs> I will not back off of that stance whatsoever. I think his his upside, he, he's been bashed. He's been kicked to the curb yes, yes. too much. And I, I honestly, I, I really think – I, I really think that it's 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 not warranted at this point. He nah. he he comes from a great background. He's a mature kid. Everyone you talk to who's been around him off the court, um, everything you've heard, be it teammates, coaches, everybody everybody likes him. They think he's going to come in and be a professional. I, I like his attitude coming into the draft. He just wants to come in, work hard, and win. Um, and, and when you look at his game overall, 
what can't he do on, exactly. on the basketball court at his size? What skill doesn't he have? People want to just come on social media and draft Twitter and just spew about, well, he only shot this percentage from the floor. Oh, my God. He only I did this. So at that. I get so mad at that, man, when they just look at the percentage. I get so mad at that. And it, it, it's we, we didn't take it into context, right? Like, like uh, Chris Vernon made one of the most emphatic cases I think that anybody could make uh, on the mismatch when, when he was talking about Cole Anthony with Kevin O'Connor. I, I, I'm not going to to yell and get quite as loud as, as he does on, on his podcast, <laughs> but he, he made the right case. Who else on, on North Carolina? I've said this before, too. Who else on that team are we going to be talking about exactly. in, in draft circles? I don't see another prospect on that team. So um, given that they, they didn't have shooting period, outside of Cole Anthony really on that team. They didn't have – he wasn't playing with other NBA-type talent. I think just how open the game's going to be at the NBA level, I, 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 don't, see, I don't see him failing like a lot of other people think he will. So as a Knicks supporter, Chris, oh, yeah. do you like the pick? All right. So, you know, Knicks Twitter is it gets crazy, you know, uh, with the with the pit with draft picks and all that. And Cole Anthony has been obviously, you know, a hot topic, too. And I feel like he gets disrespect. Like you said, the disrespect he gets is kind of it's kind of I think he gets he's the most disrespected player in this draft. You know, as far as people just, you know, just not even thinking about, oh, no, he shouldn't be there. You know, he shouldn't even be thought about with this pick. And and, and I just think i'm like that's kind of crazy like he, he's really good like he's a really good player he's 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 a, a modern day you know combo guard i could you know could can score and and do all stuff and like you said at north carolina that team was not good <laughs> he was not a good basketball team he had the the spacing wasn't there and you know like i said wasn't playing with other good players and i i meant i mentioned this all a lot it's like there's certain guys that are their game is better suited in the pros than is in college. We all know college style. You're you're playing in the system and you know you're going against zone defenses like crazy, especially you know in the ACC. You know especially you're going against Syracuse and all that Duke. You know zone heavy defenses and like you're not going to see those in the NBA, right? You're not going to see that a lot in the NBA and what he has, what he could do, you know, getting to the basket and all this stuff is he's explosive too. Like he's so explosive. Like the thing, you know, he's, he's a special athlete. He puts in the work and he has the pedigree, right? His dad was in the NBA. His dad was a former <laughs> Nick. Like, I don't, I don't know why people are just, just like discrediting him. Like he has the pedigrees worked with countless, you know, top trainers and NBA players. Like this dude works. He puts in the work. Like, like he he's a good player. I know. I think people just focus on oh he shot thirty eight percent from the field. No, he's and I've seen people literally just do that. And I'm like, guys, you have to actually see what happened at North Carolina. It wasn't. <laughs> it was not a good situation for him. Like they struggled as a team. They were awful team, you know. And I, I just I the disrespect he gets. <laughs> it, 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 it gets. See, I'm getting amped up about it because it's just it's so, so distracting. But. With the Knicks at eight, listen, I'm a big Kyra Lewis fan, and I would love if it's if the pick is Kyra. But if you tell me the Knicks come out and they take Cole Anthony, I'm not upset at all. I'm happy because I think we're going to get a hell of a player. So if if the Knicks take Cole Anthony here, I'm happy, 
and a lot of Knicks fans are going to be virtual booing like we like they always do. But to me, Cole Anthony, if he's here at eight and they take him, I'm happy with because this kid is going to be really good. Like and it's underrated playmaker, too. I don't think people put that in. He could playmake, too. He just didn't have that chance at, at North Carolina. So I, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely big on Cole Anthony. I think he uh, this would be a good pick if he's there. Yeah, I mean, Chris, you just made a lot of great points about Cole Anthony that obviously I'm not going to dispute any of them. Um, and and I, I think that having him come back playing in New York, I think it would be a special thing for the city. I think it would mean a lot to his family, to him. Um, and, and I think it would be a great way to, to help get the Knicks back on track because, yeah, they need a point guard. They, they need an offensive initiator. They need a lead scorer. Um, another guy who can take pressure off R.J. Barrett handling the basketball, who can operate out of pick and roll with Mitchell Robinson. They, they need that guy. And to me, I don't see a better place for Cole Anthony to go than to the Knicks. Now, me having Cole Anthony number one on my board, do I wish him um, going to a potential bad situation? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, listen, Temple graduate, Leon Rose. Leon Rose, my guy. Yes. I, I, I believe in the new front office. I believe it's in where the Knicks are going. And I would believe in them more if Cole Anthony was going there with them. So Agreed, agreed. The next guy has been heavily speculated to go to the Knicks, but I'm going to have him go here. Um, and I certainly would if I was the Wizards, if I was making this pick of a Congo was off the board, Obi Toppin would be my next target. Um, he's athletic as all hell. Perfect, perfect, perfect pick and roll or pick and pop partner with John Wall or Bradley Beal. Um, defensively, he's, he's maybe not the anchor that you would want him to be, but offensively, I, I think he gives the wizards that extra dimension that they're looking for. So, um, what, what do you like the most Chris about Obi Toppin's game? Do you think that's a good fit for that team overall? Oh yeah. He's the most offensive ready, uh, player in this draft. In my opinion, he could do everything offensive. Like I said, pick and pop, you know, with John Wall and all that, he's going to be a, a monster on that. And then, you know, pick and roll, just driving and his athletic ability is, is off the charts too. Like he's one of the best athletes in this draft and, you know, a uh, guy who can, who could score, could, can shoot from three too. like shot, what, 39%, I believe, you know, from three. So, you know, he, he's good at that solid free throw shooter. I know the defense is people get worried about, and it, it is kind of weird. Like, as athletic as he is, like he's kind of robotic defensively a little bit, but uh, I feel like he, you know, he, he could be an okay, you know, he could be a, a respectable defender once he gets to the league. I think it could get a little old blown, but he's still a little, you know, still got to work on his, his footwork and lateral, you know, quickness as far as, you know, defensively. But the offense to me is, is, uh, is ready right now. And I think, you know, Right now, I think he he's a early favorite to be rookie of the year because I feel like he's so well rounded. You know, I know people worry about the age too. That is that he's 22 years old. You know, people consider that old. You know, in uh, in today's NBA, which is kind of crazy. But uh, Obi Toppin to me, you know, he goes into there and you add him with Beal, you know, and uh, John Wall hopefully coming back healthy and uh, Hachimura. You know, they they got some guys there. So uh, adding Toppin to that would be a nice fit for Washington. Imagine that lineup if he could um, be physical enough to play the five and you have yeah. him and Rui in the front court, plug in the forward of your choice, and then John Wall, if he's back to being John Wall and Bradley Beal. Um, hello. Everybody forgot about that team in the Eastern Conference. But the playoff team. 
at the playoff yeah. team. If, if Wall comes back and he's uh, listen, I don't know if he's going to be the same John Wall, but even if he's eighty five percent of John Wall, I'll go on with Beal, who's an all you know, who should have been an all NBA type player, and, and you add Hachimura, who's who's an up and coming player, and you add Top into that, I think that could be a playoff team for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Moving along, ten Phoenix Suns. They 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 need another ball handler, another um, offensive initiator, a guy who can handle the rock and make plays for others next to Booker long term. I don't know if Ricky Rubio is the answer long term. Mm-hmm. So this to me is a perfect fit, right for for Tyrese Halliburton. And and if I was the Suns and I was looking at who's off the board at this point and who can help me, um, not only in the long term but even in the immediate future just in case something happens um to to one of those two guards Rubio or Booker somebody you can step in and 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 play winning basketball and make the right plays for others um in important games I think Halliburton could could really be that guy he's he's at his best when you don't um ask him to do too much right and I think with what what Phoenix proved especially in the bubble um almost making the playoffs going undefeated in the bubble I think they they've proven enough that the guys they have the pieces in place they, they, they can win big games. They, they can win starting next season. So I think adding Halliburton to that mix um, only betters their chances. Um, w- would you see anybody else being a better fit here? Or you think Halliburton could be the guy given um, everyone else who's gone off the board? I like Halliburton a lot. I think he'd be a great fit here. Like I said, get him another ball handler. You know, uh, he could play, you know, he could play on the ball, play off the ball, you know, and someone that could eventually, you know, take Rubio's spot and be, you know, the guy there, you know, along with Devin Booker and, and, and Mikel Bridges and, and Aiton. I mean, they got some guys, Oubre, you know, I know they've been, they're a team rumor to be trade, you know, in trade rumors, but uh, if they stay put here, adding a, uh, Adding Tyrus Halliburton here, you know, I know people like they, they will focus on the shot, you know, his, his orthodox, you know, unorthodox shot, but it goes in, you know, <laughs> it, it goes in. So I think people need to focus on that. I know he, he may have to, you know, work on some, you know, adjustments a little bit, but it goes in. I think that's the most important thing is it goes in. We've seen plenty of guys who've had beautiful forms and their shot doesn't go in. So, you know, yeah. I think, yeah, right. I, I think uh, that's such an over uh, emphasis. It goes in. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I like him a lot. I think he's, he's versatile. He could do a lot of things and, and to go, to go to a system in Phoenix, like you said, up and coming team, you know, they play tremendous in the bubble, you know, they added Tyrese Halliburton, you know, he could learn from Ricky Rubio. I mean, Rubio is a, is still, you know, still a very good player, it, it, even, uh, that he's getting older, he's still a good player. What about, he can learn from him, learn from book. And, and uh, I think this is a good, be a great pick for Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, like I said, as long as you're not asking him to, to do too much, I think he's yeah. going to be a winning player and a contributor for a long time in the league, so no reason why he's not a top-10 selection. Um, number 11, San Antonio Spurs. Is spe- speaking of Matt Babcock, he tweeted out just yes. before we started recording this, we're recording this on Wednesday, November 11th, um, that the Spurs could be up to something big behind the scenes. So they very well may not make this pick, but if they do – I think it would be wise of them to to take Patrick Williams here at this point in the draft. Um, project player, possibly, likely. No, I'm going to call him a project player. I think that's ultimately what he is. <laughs> uh, he's not going to come in and, and, and win a lot of games for you right away in his rookie season, but you give him time to develop those raw physical tools. I, I think he can be a great fit. And, and what better place for him to go if he does need um, to, to sit down, take some time and develop than San Antonio, right? How many guys have, exactly. have, have they helped? Um, whether it's jump shooting, whether it's being better off the ball, whether it's 
fitting better into certain offensive schemes and they need to be taught those things about the game. What better situation than San Antonio, right? So yes, exactly. I, 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 I think that's a, a match made in heaven there. Um, Sacramento Kings, I have Devin Vassell out of Florida State. So two Florida mm-hmm. State guys going back to back. Um, the King, Kings need more shooters, man, especially if Bogdanovich ends up leaving. They, they need more shooters. Um, and, and I think him in between um, De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley would be a great fit to, to help spread the floor for those guys. So out of those two picks, out of those two guys, I should say, Chris, which Florida State player do you think has the better upside long term? I mean, I, I'm big on, on Vassell. Simply because I, you know, he showed a lot more at Florida State than 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 Patrick Williams. But obviously, you look at Patrick Williams and you just like he's what he what he's what you want to look at as a as a modern day wing, right? He's just physically gifted, right? He has all the tools, you know. He's just built, he's chiseled, right? <laughs> he he looks like an NBA player, right? He's just so you know, just such so developed at, at such a young age, you know, six eight, six nine, like two hundred twenty pounds. You know, he's a he's a he's going to be, you know, he has the potential to be a really good player obviously he's still super raw especially offensively super raw offensively but uh you know the potential for him to be you know uh, a, a tremendous especially on defense he he's he's a stalwart on de- he could be he's gonna pl- right away be a, a good defender just simply off his raw ability and, and everything he brings now but if you get the offense together he definitely has more upside than Vassell but right now I think Vassell gives you you know can can give you it more more uh impact right away because i you know his ability to he could defend too obviously and his ability to shoot from three you know gives him more of the you know more more you know he, he's going to be able to play quicker right away uh than than patrick Williams. but patrick Williams upside is is just it's it's crazy he could definitely be getting yourself and listen they've done it before they, they had Kawhi leonard they'd be they have the ability to to you know uh to uh to develop wings so you know going to san antonio would be a great spot for him and uh you know they could be getting themselves a hell of a player if if he pans out yeah and 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 as long as as long as williams is able to stay engaged defensively um in in any minutes he's able to get his rookie season he's the best off-ball cutter in this draft class and in my opinion given given his um athleticism and physical tools he's not he doesn't have the best burst out of some of the other guys in this draft, but I think in, in terms of where he chooses to cut, how he picks his spots, that, that's definitely a skill. It's a skill that can get you easy buckets. Obviously, he's a transition threat. I think he can do enough to earn minutes um, to, to, to get into an NBA rotation wherever he's drafted. The question is, how good is he going to be um, right away? So he, he, he definitely has some developing to do, but I agree his upside given his tools, some of the flashes he showed creating yeah. off the ball. Um, he, he's, a, he's a tremendous prospect in, 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 in his own right, and, and I think that his future is definitely bright. Um, New Orleans Pelicans, number 13. Tyrese Maxey is where I, where I have um, – that's where I have him going. I, I think he would certainly be a great option for them, especially if they end up trading Drew Holiday. You need a guard – next to Lonzo who can score the ball, right? You're not going to ask Lonzo to, to be the primary scorer in that backcourt. Obviously you have other guys that can do that. Like Zion and, and Brandon Ingram are going to get the ball more frequently. They're your number one and number two guys, wherever you want to slot them in, in offensive priority, but you need a third guy who can get buckets, right? It's, it's probably not going to be Jackson Hayes. It's probably not going to be Lonzo ball unless yeah. it's like a lot of like catch and shoot or like easy transition opportunities. But as a third shot creator, um, I really like what Maxi could potentially bring to that team. Um, I, I know there's a lot of buzz about Kentucky guides being 
overlooked <laughs> because they're playing Calipari system. He doesn't let everybody do exactly, um, quite yeah. as much as, as they can flash. But um, do do you how how much do you like Maxi as a prospect and how good of a fit do you think he is in New Orleans? Whether they end up trading Drew Holiday or even if they keep um, him and JJ Redick. Yeah, you know, Maxi, I've been going back and forth on him, how I've, I've been feeling about him. But I think I think the Kentucky thing is real. Like as far as like we, how many Kentucky guys we've seen, like, you know, they, they play they're playing at Kentucky and they're you don't see what they are, especially when they get to the pros. Right. We see, you know, Murray and we're seeing Booker. We see them, you know, bam, and we see them just pop and we don't see that at Kentucky. And I feel like this is going to happen with Terry, especially if he goes, you know, if he goes to New Orleans where they could use a scoring, you know, combo guard like him for sure. You know, guy, I think he's just going to be a guy that's going to score. He's just, he's just going to give you instant offense right away. You know, you know, uh, I think, you know, he's just going to come in and, and just, if you need point, he, you know, he, he's just going to be an old school, you know, just point, get a bucket. He's just going to get you buckets. Simple as that. <laughs> he could get you buckets. And I feel like at the next level, you know, uh, he, he's going to, he's going to be one, another one of those, guys that where we might see him excel at the next level and that's something we didn't see particularly at Kentucky in, in his uh act you know in uh in his stint in Kentucky so I think he's definitely someone who could pop at the next level and just be an absolute score I I, I, I he gives me some some Lou Will vibes you know with probably a little bit more uh, uh quickness and, and athleticism but uh he gives me that because I think he's just going to come into the league and just be in a, a an instant impact score for sure absolutely um at 14 Boston Celtics, another one of those teams remains to be seen if they're going to keep that pick or not. Um, they have three first rounders. Could they package all three of them and go after somebody? Could they package a few of them and go after somebody? We're going to find out on, on draft night or maybe right before draft night. But sticking with this mock, making them make the selection, if I'm acting as head of their basketball operations, who am I looking at to, to make the pick on here? I'm looking at RJ Hampton. Um, guard played for the New Zealand Breakers overseas has gotten more buzz recently, especially um, after his interview that he did on Ryan Rosillo's pod. That was a great get um, by Rosillo to have him on, um, as as well as Mike Miller, who's been doing a lot of training with him. Listen, I believe in RJ Hampton. He's he's almost as athletic um, as anybody else in this draft. Yeah, I think yeah. I put Edwards above him still, and and Wiseman. But once you get past those those two guys, he's as athletic as anybody else in the draft. Um, good size, especially at a lead guard spot at about six five. Um, the the questions mainly are about his jump shot, but if, if mm-hmm. you take a look at some of that video that's come out now, yes, um, I was just workouts, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's he he's cannon threes from all over the place, and having a drill sergeant like Mike Miller showing you how to properly shoot the ball from NBA mm-hmm. range, those little things to pick up, even moving without the ball. To, to get better set towards the basket and find better ways to shoot from three. I, I, I believe in that training. I believe in RJ as a kid. I think he's got a great attitude coming in. He believes in himself. And I think he's absolutely an undervalued um, pick here. I just, I didn't see a better fit for him above this spot. That's why he's not higher in my mock. He was um, number, number eight on my big board. So I'm clearly higher on him than, than, actually an overwhelming majority it seems like believe it or not in the draft community so where are you at on rj hampton chris um and how high do you think his ceiling is oh man he has his ceiling is is, could be all-star like like he has all the physical tools like you said like his ability to attack that first step of his is 
it, it's it's something I just haven't seen from a lot of guys. Like that first step is scary. Like he can he can he he's just it, it's it's something I haven't seen. Like I said, I haven't seen from a lot of guys that first step. It, it's so fast. He's just so quick. And his you know his a lot to add to it, his athletic ability. I think you know that could be something special. And you know another one of those guys like I talked about that. You know, we could see Pop in the NBA. Like, he obviously, he went through his struggles, you know, going overseas. But, you know, he's young. And, and you know, it's you know, playing against grown men overseas. You know, it's going to be different. It's a different style of play. So, but I, I feel like, you know, to get him at the, this spot for Boston, I mean, like, why would people let Boston get him here? <laughs> you know? <laughs> why would they do that? They should not let Boston get another athletic player like this to, to go with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And, you know, it, that would just be criminal for people to allow Boston to get him here. And as long, you know, with the staff they have, you know, Brad Stevens, the way they develop guys, it's, this would be great. Like I said, I don't think, you know, obviously they got three picks in the first round. I could definitely see them making trades. I definitely do think they'll do that. But if they add R.J. Hampton here, man, they might just get one of the steals of the draft because he he can potentially be a, a special player, an all-star type player, because he's gifted athletically. And what better place to go where they can refine everything else, you know, get him under control offensively, stuff he does, you know, get his, you know, defensively and all. The, you know, he's going to be active because you got to be active in Boston to play defense and all that. So they can – what better spot for him to go? I think this would be a home run pick for Boston. Oh, if he's a stud and he hits a ceiling with Jalen Brown and Jason Tate, him. I mean, come on. The, the, the rich get richer, right? Exactly. It's, it's obscene yeah. at this point. Um, so what what I'm gonna do that we we've we've hit pretty deep on the lottery here, and I'm glad that we've been able to break out that much of the discussion. Um, I'm gonna run through some of these other picks in groups of like five or six here. Um, kind of just give my thoughts a little bit, and then Chris, I'll, I'll I'll turn to you then after I'm done kind of reading off some names and giving some thoughts as to who might stand out. To, to you and in which situations you might like best for some of these guys. Um, so 15, the Orlando Magic. That front office, again, John Hammond coming over from the Bucks. They love to choose long, tall players, and they got another one right there um, who would be available to them, Jaden McDaniels. Um, and, and I think, honestly, if I'm putting on the GM hat, I've seen what worked in Milwaukee. I've seen um, what's actually – been, been working with with mixed results in Orlando, but we haven't seen um, Chuma quite yet. He's going to be coming back this year from injury. Um, I'd probably stick with the formula, to be honest, unless you're really confident um, in, in, in one of the other point guards available, like a Kyra Lewis might be a popular name here um, to, to go to Orlando. But Jaden McDaniels, all the upside in his own right. Um, I would absolutely love that fit in Orlando, giving them another potential primary scoring forward, worst case scenario, another guy who actually showed to me a lot of really good defensive instincts, particularly off the ball. Um, again, keeping that defense on Orlando strong, which ended up being a strong suit. It allowed them to certainly make things more competitive in some of those games against Milwaukee than you might've thought originally before that series started in the bubble. Um, Portland Trailblazers 16, Sadiq Bay forward out of Villanova has gained a lot of buzz about a guy that I might have ranked too low, a guy that I might even have going um, too low in this mock draft, given some of the other picks made. But I don't buy a lot of the offensive upside that some people might be seeing with Bay. I, I think he's going to be a little more limited offensively or not maybe asked to do that much in the NBA if it turns out that his three-point shot is on. But and, and I've also talked about on the pod before when I've evaluated him um, about some of the things I, I don't see quite with him defensively. Um, but Portland would 
absolutely need another 3-4, 4-3 forward here. Um, so I think he could be a great fit coming in, learning from some of those guys like, like Dame and CJ um, and improving his game and, and helping them in that role um, in, in what's likely to be and, and should be a playoff team next year. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves get another pick here um, at 17. Aaron Neesmith out of Vanderbilt, probably the, the best pure shooter in the draft. And if you're going to have a team, if I have my GM hat on, if I'm going to have a team with D'Angelo Russell, LaMelo Ball, and Carl Anthony Towns, three guys who you know are going to be able to have the ball in their hands and get buckets. Eventually, they're going to have to pass out somebody yeah. you can shoot, right? Get the arguably the best catch-and-shoot guy in the draft um, in Neesmith, regardless of where you might evaluate him defensively. I think at this point in the draft, if you know he's that much of a sure thing as a shooter, the the most important offensive skill at this point where the NBA is right now, go grab Neesmith. Um, Dallas Mavericks at 18. Alexei Pokushevsky, an incredibly polarizing prospect, um, arguably the most polarizing prospect in the draft alongside LaMelo Ball, at least in NBA draft Twitter circles. Um, certainly has a lot of upside of his own. I- I've shared on the evaluation of him on the pod previously. I don't think that physically he's the best guy to, to withstand um, a-, a lot of the physicality that he's going to have to go up against. Um, at those big man spots in the NBA, if he's a perimeter-oriented player, do you really want somebody his size being more perimeter-oriented, especially on the defensive end, or would would you rather have him more like a four spot if he can handle it, um, be being able to to bring some of that versatility offensively, and especially having him closer to the basket, using his size and his length to to act as kind of like a secondary rim protector. So there are a lot of different outcomes and ways that that that. His ceiling could, could end up going, but Dallas loves international prospects. Um, Tony Ronzone in the front office, uh, great guy, met him personally. Um, he, he, he has a great eye for international talent. He's one of the best in the business, and, and I think that Pogushevsky or Leandro Balmaro, who we'll talk about a little later um, on, or at least I'll touch on later in this podcast, I think one of those two guys is probably a high-value target for Dallas here um, at 18, looking more towards the future keeping somebody off the books and kind of like a, a draft and stash spot and being able to, to go after more veteran talent for this upcoming season. Um, Desmond Bain going to the Brooklyn Nets at 19. I love Desmond Bain. I think he's such an underrated player and he's grown a lot more popular at this point um, in, in draft Twitter circles as being a, a guy who's ready tailor-made to come into the league, kind of like a Malcolm Brogdon type player if you really wanted to peg some kind of comparison to him. Um, our underrated passer, uh, making some of those quick decisions in the mold of like what, what Denny Avdia has shown the, that how I talked about him highly doing some of those things with the ball, um, can come in probably going to end up being like a 38, 39% three point shooter when, when all is said and done. So adding that kind of a guard to your team, tough, physical, can rebound pretty much can do everything you want to do on the court. Just doesn't have a lot of upside as like a, like a first, second, or maybe not even necessarily a third option, but certainly someone you want to have on your team and, and, and go to war with. So um, out of those guys, Chris, a- a- anything that really stands out to you about any of those picks and some awesome fits? I mean, Portland and Sadiq Bay to me is a, is a, a per, one of my perfect fits. Uh, I think that's a match okay. made in heaven. Like the way he, his ability to, to move off the ball and then his shooting, I think would be perfect for Portland and Desmond Bain to Brooklyn. I mean, that's, that says another, 
like spot on fit. Like I've done a lot of mocks where that's I've another rich get richer situation. Exactly. And, and, and being a Knicks fan, I don't want this, you know, <laughs> I, I don't need Brooklyn to get better, you know? So, but you know, if I put it in my basket, my NBA hat on and, and taking the Knicks fandom out of me, Desmond Bain to Brooklyn. And I've talked to a lot of Brooklyn Nets fans, you know, I obviously living in New York and, and, they talk a lot about Desmond Bain and they like what he does, obviously the shooting and you know how he moves off the ball. And like you said, underrated playmaker too. Like smart and guy, smart guy, you know, just, and you add him with Kevin Durant, Kyrie, you know, and they might lose Joe Harris. So if you lose Joe Harris, man, you just replace him with, you know, you're, you're replacing with Desmond Bain. I mean, yeah, that, that's a, that that's a, a definitely a, a match made in heaven too. And Poku, Poku's obviously a, a, another guy that's it's just polarizing because the talent is there, but I think people are scared of him. You know, I see a lot of people are scared because they you know they don't think you know the the, the physicality and all that. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes top ten. Like I, I just oh, think it wouldn't shock me either. It wouldn't shock me because I think people are just going to look at, especially in this draft, I think we're going to see a lot of more, you know, teams take chances on guys like Poku and and, and Jaden McDaniels and guys like that, that you see the talents there. You just got to refi- refine it and get every, you know, and, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes top 10 and he could be, you know, a, a, another steal and someone who could be, you know, a great player, maybe an all-star type player. He has that potential, right? We see this with a lot of guys in this draft, that potential. So, well, if Dallas, I mean, Dallas, <laughs> they, they would, uh, the, like you said, like with Brooklyn, the rich would get richer if they get Poku at, at 18, you add him for Zingas and, and Luca, man, that'd be a home run pick for them too. So yeah, some, some definitely some good, hey, Nate Smith, the best route in the draft, Minnesota with, you know, that'd be great, especially if I'm taking uh, LaMelo at one to add the towns and all that, all those playmakers, he'll get some nice shots there. So yeah, definitely some good fits here. Well, thank you for praising my uh, my potential GM <laughs> talent. With, with yeah, I love I love this I love this boy. I really do. I love it. This is this is something similar to what I would have. So you know, we got great minds think alike. You know. <laughs> yeah, as as far as Pokushevsky, I mean, listen, if, if Papa Giannis could shock the world as the lottery pick, then I don't think Pokushevsky <laughs> going top ten should should be a, as quite of a shock because he <laughs> certainly has a lot more talent and upside oh. than that guy, but. But that was one of those picks you make. You you probably fell out of your chair when you saw that one. I did um, so. Oh my good. I remember just, I forgot who was on the call of who was doing the draft. I, uh, who was with the, I would think it was, um, I don't know, whoever was the ESPN guy. They, they're just like, what? <laughs> he was like, you know, no disrespect to Papi but he was probably what a second round, maybe, you know, maybe a second round pick. And they took him, you know, but the, that's what the, that's what Sacramento does. They, they shock you a lot. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. And if Anthony Bennett going number one can get the infamous woe out of Bill Simmons, then I'm sure there were some swear words going with, with, with Papi Infamous Whoa. I remember that. Like, <laughs> that was I remember it like yesterday. Absolutely. Um, well, it, it, you, you talked about some, some perfect fits in some of those other picks. I think some of these, in my mind, are even more perfect fits, like Josh Green going to Miami yes. at, at number oh, 20. Yeah. He, he fits the bill perfectly for them. Another 3 and D, tough-minded guy. Um, really, really young prospect. One of the younger prospects in the draft, believe it or not. Um, and, and if there's anybody, again, that's, that can develop talent, Miami is oh, yeah. one of those places, and I think he could really be a perfect fit long-term for them um, in, in a wing spot. And, and also Tyrell Terry, 
the Stanford guard um, going to the Philadelphia 76ers at 21. I think if I'm making the pick for them, he, he's got to be the guy I target, right? They, 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 it's not that they don't have shooting at all, but they don't have guys who can create their own shot from three off the dribble, really. And that's, that's, that's Terry's calling card. That, that's what he's built for. Um, I, I love all the stuff that's come out about him regarding being um, taller now. Yes. And putting on that muscle to, to help him physically, absolutely. Yep, agreed, agreed. He this, that's a perfect spot for sure. That that's that's probably the between that and the Josh Green pick. Those are the two picks that that I oh, love yeah. the most. And Josh Green going to Miami, I mean, that's another rich getting richer. Like, and he fits the culture with his versatility and his defense. That'll that'll be a, a great fit for Miami. That's why pe- people want to talk about this draft, isn't? Um, laden with star power, yeah, fine, but it's laden with really, really, really good um, long-term plays and role players. So hey, the league is made up of eighty percent of the eighty eighty-five percent of the league is made up of role players. So like when people say that, it's like you know you need role players in this league, right, to to fill out your roster. And look at Miami too. Like it, that's that's a perfect example, right? We see you know what they what how they build their team and all that. So when people say that, I just think it's silly. You know, they just look at the top, you know, the top and this thing. Oh, there's not a star power, but to, to me, this I like a lot more guys than I don't like in this draft. You know, <laughs> I I feel the same way. And ranking some of these guys, having to make some of these picks, it, it's tough. It it, it really yeah. is tough because I like a lot of these guys. Um, and, and and there are some names that haven't come up yet that people are like, well, why aren't they picked higher? Well, some of these yeah. fits we're talking about, I, I think they're pretty damn good fits. And yeah, this one at 22 might shock a few people, but the Denver Nuggets, I, 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 if I were them, right, what was one of the biggest things they, they needed um, come playoff time? What was more defense out of the forward spots? Obviously, they yeah. have Jeremy Grant, but especially missing Will Barton, having another yeah. guy who can play either the three or the four, help out defensively, um, and be a special talent off the ball when they need him to be. Tyler Bay went to college at Colorado, could, could play his – his college basketball and I mean, his, his professional basketball in state, same exactly. state where he played college ball. I think that'd be a great pick for them, especially if his jumper pans out. Another guy who can spread the floor and just be someone who maybe doesn't have to start for them, especially given the talent. Like I said, if Will Barton's able to come back healthy, plug right back into that starting unit, somebody they can bring off the bench in certain situations, just go out along with Jeremy Grant, just shut yeah. some people down. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's more of what Denver needs. And if they get another player like him defensively, Good God, is that team going to be tough to deal with for 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 years down the road? Oh yeah. Um, at, at number twenty three, the Utah Jazz taking one of my favorite players in this entire draft class, Malachi Flynn, out of San Diego State. You put him next to Donovan Mitchell making plays at the point guard spot. Should should Mike Conley potentially be moved off of here? Um, and in short order, if he's not the the, the perfect fit for them, e- even just after this year, forget just this year. Um, Flynn could step in right away um, and, and help Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt, run pick and roll sets, kind of free Donovan from that always having to make plays for everybody else all the time role. Um, yeah. Let Donovan focus more on, on scoring and shooting where he's more comfortable at. Um, as we saw in the playoffs, he can put up points in bunches when he has the opportunity. So having another guy who can handle the rock and, and make smart decisions and in turn get involved in some of those catch-and-shoot situations when Donovan does have the ball in his hands and space the floor for him and, and not be a detriment to him shooting the three. So I, I love that fit at the point guard spot. And then 
Uh, my, my last guy before I'll break it out to you again, Chris, Kyra Lewis going to the Milwaukee Bucks at 24, a guy who a lot of people are probably going to comment on this podcast saying, why is he <laughs> all the way down to 24? Um, I'm, I'm not a big Kyra Lewis guy. I've kind of expressed that in my evaluation of him on, on, on an earlier podcast. Um, I, I get it. He's a speedster. He, he's the open court blur of the class. Um, he obviously has a lot of upside in his own right, being how young as he is but being that young yet having two years of college experience under his belt to grow and develop coming into the league now i get it i get the whole evaluation i just i don't think he's the decision maker that everyone wants him to be quite yet if he does pan out that way and i don't think he's great at choosing when to start and stop um and kind of balance playmaking with just crashing into the defense and seeing if he can get a bucket um, if, if the jump shot is there long-term, that's something that works in his favor and obviously increases what his spot was on, on my big board. But um, out of those picks, I'm sure you want to talk about Cairo Lewis. Um, <laughs> feel free to break out any of those picks that we just ran through. Yeah, uh, Cairo Lewis. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, you know, I'm a lot higher the, on him than, than you are. I, I have him in my top 10. I'm big on Kyra. I think, you know, like you said, the speed, you know, to be able to break down a defense and, and uh, the playmaking definitely improved a lot uh, from year one to year two. And I think that that's something that will translate and, and uh, he'll get better with for sure, I, in my opinion. But like Mattaclay Flynn to Utah, I mean, that that would be a great fit. And Tyler Bay too, you know, uh, an athletic, you know, wing like that Denver, you know, with the possibility of not having Jeremy Grant there, you know, losing him in free agency, you know, replace him with a guy like Tyler Bay would be great. So, you know, some good picks, you know, I'm always, like I said, I'm higher on Kyle Lewis than you are, but you know, I see, I, I could definitely see why you have him, you know, lower than most people. But like you said, this draft, you know, everything changes from 10 on, you know, it, well, it's, it's loaded and Tyler Bay didn't have a first round grade for me. I, I went over yeah. that in, in more recent weeks and some of the second round grade and evaluations that I was doing, but when you just look at the pure fit, right? If I'm just a, a, a basketball operations personnel guy, just looking at fit, what my team needs now, what they're lacking, I, I, I don't see a better fit for for what I saw with their glory and weakness was than, than Tyler Bay. So um, whether you're reaching, whether you feel like you're reaching, there are so many guys from like 15 on that you can make a case for, for a lot of these teams. And that, is what we've talked about this whole time. The depth to this class from a role player perspective is incredible. Um, so kind of rolling through these last um, picks in the first round, 25 to 30 here, Jemias Ramsey guard out of Texas tech going to the thunder at 25. I think a lot of his limitations aren't necessarily skill limitations for me, but a lot of stuff um, understanding the game, having a feel for the game. Um, Oklahoma city, again, another great developments hotspot. Um, yeah. for somewhere somebody like him to go to and, and break out his game a little bit probably going to be taking a step back with a Chris Paul trade likely coming at some point here in the offseason um, lo looking to hit the reboot button um, firmly now um, especially if, if, if they do trade him so Jamias I think would be a great fit there um, Boston making another pick if they keep this pick Precious Achua somebody who I have a lottery grade on I think he could slide on draft night just because there isn't a lot of confidence of what he can do offensively. And this is such an offensive driven league um, with a lot of offensive driven front offices that I think he slides. But if you're getting him at 26, a Boston Celtics team that needs another big man, especially a defensive minded big man um, to go along with, with, with Tice. And, and if Cantor were to, to stay with the team, 
um, or if he's going to be elsewhere. But bringing in Precious, one of the more unique defensive talents in the draft, along with somebody like Tyler Bay um, and Isaac Okoro, Precious could potentially guard one through five. Um, yes, he can sir. certainly hold his own down low. I think the center spot is where he's at long term. And and I would love that fit if Boston were, were to get him. I think you could plug him in and start playing him right away, regardless of his offensive limitations, because of how much offensive talent that the team has already, especially with, with on-ball shot creation. Um, the Knicks, the Knicks here again at 27. Do love you, I, I guess I I'll just stop you here. Do you like the pick of Jalen Smith? Love it. The Knicks? Love it. Love it. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll make it to 27. I have him going, you know, I have him top 15. I think he'll go you know, between 15 to 20. So, but if he, if he's here at 27, I mean, that's, that's another, uh, that that'll be a home run for the Knicks if they can get him at, at 27 here, you know, with his length and all that, be able to hit some shots on the perimeter and his defense is, is uh, is good too. So, you know, to add that, you know, like, I think the Knicks need to add some size too. you know, everyone talks about guards and, and get some perimeter guys, but if the Knicks can add another big man like Jalen Smith, I um, mean, that would be great to, you know, cause Mitchell Robinson still, he's super raw. He's still super raw. You know, I know people love his defense and, you know, pe- a lot of, especially Nick's Twitter, you know, uh, you know, they, they assume he's untouchable and anything, but, you know, Jalen Smith, you know, uh, would definitely add, you know, cause he's a lot more versatile than what Mitchell Robinson can do right now. So adding to add Jalen Smith to this team with Mitchell Robinson and, and the rest of these guys, you know, that'd definitely be a great pick if he's here at 27. Yeah, and somebody, uh, again, I don't have him this low on my big board, but just looking at the teams ahead, um, I, I just don't think a lot of them need pure centers. And and yeah. Jalen Smith is a pure center, but yeah, the value he could provide off the bench for, for the Knicks. Or even if you if you really want to get wild and do a twin, tire, twin tower style lineup, if you believe he's that mobile to be able to cover some fours, certainly with his shooting ability, he still spreads the floor for Mitchell Robinson. And then obviously the defensive impact you would have with those two shot blockers on the court together. Oh, that, yeah. that that could be some exciting stuff. for Especially for, for with Tibbs loves defense, right? Tibbs, Tibbs loves defense, you know, so to, to add another guy like that, you know, would definitely be great, you know, and definitely improve the defense for sure. He does love defense, and he played Joakim Noah and Taj Gibson together. Exactly. I was just going to so, say that. He, he played them together, so I'm sure he's thinking about this, and uh, these two together would be definitely uh, to definitely help the defense, you know, uh, big time for the Knicks, which is something they need to, to improve the defense for sure. The Lakers, if they, at 28, if they get rid of or they just choose to leave one or both of their big men, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, alongside Anthony Davis. Why not draft Zeke Naji, center mm-hmm. prospect out of Arizona, to fit right in? Um, defensively underrated. He, he's, he's one of the better athletes at that big man spot in the draft. Um, obviously moves his feet well. Um, I think can, can cover switches enough in pick and roll. Maybe not be the best pick and roll defender at the big man spot in the draft, but one of the better ones. Um, and in turn, what he could potentially provide offensively if his shot translates outside um, to three-point range. A lot of the workout videos I was seeing, his his stroke looked so much yes. yeah, than I what it was from that. Arizona. We know that he's a pick-and-pop threat from inside the arc, but if he is one from outside the arc, letting um, LeBron and AD run pick-and-roll while he's spreading the floor for the team, I mean, that just gives them another dimension and another great big man to start next to Anthony Davis, letting Anthony Davis still play that four spot while allowing them to get younger at that center spot and kind of think long-term as well. Um, My, my real surprise pick, the Toronto Raptors, we saw them do this with Pascal Siakam, Mm -hmm. Paul Ebois, 
Cameroonian forward. I love this guy the more I watch him. I love this guy the more that I hear about him. That Schmitz interview that he did with him was fantastic. That everyone's probably, or at least a lot of the draft heads have gotten a chance to see. He could be a real value get, especially if he slips to the second round. But I think there's a chance Toronto could make a splash um, and, and, and take another somewhat unknown guy. But I think he would pan out, not necessarily be on the same development path and be the same kind of special talent that Pascal was, but certainly... Uh, a better, more quote-unquote unknown find than, than somebody like Bruno Caboclo was. I think Ebois has a lot of intriguing um, upside that oh, I actually yeah. talked about last week on the podcast. And then to round out the 30 picks, Leandro Bomaro, guard out of Barcelona, great stash get um, for Boston if they don't want to have all of their draft picks and they keep all of them but don't want to have every guy in the roster taking up a roster spot. Bomaro is a great guy that could potentially still develop for a few more years overseas and then in turn be yeah. somebody else who can come into a Boston Celtics team that's all about ball movement and high IQ. Well, he might not be the best shot creator, but he is another high IQ guy who is all about moving the ball and kind of playing like a point forward kind of kind of role. So um, breaking out that, that last series of picks, Chris, what stands out to you besides the Jalen Smith pick that we talked about? Yeah, like the Zeke – uh, for Zeke, you know, I wasn't crazy about him. I thought, you know, he could be a high energy guy, you know, maybe come off the bench, you know, you know, you know, be like, a, you know, play some defense and you know, grab some, you know, just that high energy guy. But, you know, the more I saw off, you know, the shooting, right, you mentioned the videos you saw that, you know, that shooting stroke, I was like, okay, maybe he's another guy that could could definitely, you know, can add another layer to his game and be more versatile, you know, as far as offensively. So the Zeke stuff is definitely, he's, he's definitely be intriguing for me and uh, to, to the Lakers, you know, that would be another great pick and uh, Balmero too. You know, if Boston, listen, I, like we talked about before, I believe Boston definitely going to trade some of these picks and, and, uh, and do some stuff in the draft. But if they do stay put and they get Balmero, there's no need they they don't have to rush him over here they could keep him over overseas uh in Argentina and all that and and uh and uh let him develop and you know get him in a few years and he could be a more polished and better player and they get themselves a, a, a another player and, and I think who, who who did we give him before we gave him Precious and then we gave uh, you gave him uh who was uh, R.J. Hampton? I mean, the rich get richer. <laughs> the rich yeah, I mean, if they, if they kept all three of those picks and made all three of those picks, I think Boston fans would be in, incredibly ecstatic, except for maybe um, Bill Simmons, who would want me to take Tyrell Terry <laughs> with the 14th pick over R.J. Hampton. But um, I think Hampton just has more clear upside, and I think that he might, he might, he would eat a little crow. I think on 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 that pick if that was actually made. Um, not that Terry isn't a special prospect in his own right, because I, I love him and I'm from the Philadelphia area or close enough to the Philadelphia area rooting for the hometown 76ers. I, I think I show some love making that Tyrell Terry pick. I, I think he'd be the best fit would, would be in Philadelphia. Um, to to kind of close out things on this podcast, I think I, I've pretty much touched on some the, the majority of the questions that, that people um, asked our, our Twitter account at Draft Deeper. Um, when I was asking for some questions for for this mock draft pod, uh, Mike Stein specifically tweeted out, what makes a good landing spot for a guy like Cole, who you have higher than most? And conversely, what teams might he struggle to reach his potential on? Um, I, I think that's a great overarching question to just address a lot of uh, the, the same point that we've touched on for a lot of these guys. And, and what I've said from the start, at the end of the day, it's about 
when when you're drafting somebody to come play minutes on your team, can a guy actually earn be able to earn those minutes in the right situation um, and do enough things where you're comfortable giving him enough minutes to develop um, and, and get better in the right situation? That's the differentiator. Do you have enough skill to to be able to earn enough minutes to continue to develop the other parts of your game? round yourself out and in turn contribute in a more winning situation. That's the, what will always separate yourself. That's what's led me to create this mock draft with these guys in these spots. If I'm a GM making all of these picks, this is where I would have a lot of these guys. Obviously there could be some honorable mentions. We we've covered a wide variety of guys um, through a top 60 on multiple episodes of this podcast. If you haven't heard about some of those guys that you might have questions about, you can tweet at us again at draft deeper for any thoughts. You can obviously go back and listen to some of the other podcasts uh, on, on the feed to get information about any of the guys that we might have missed on. Um, Chris, anything that I did miss in this mock draft pod that you wanted to hit on? No, no, this was this was great. You know, uh, there's there's a I, I if I could just mention, I, I, there's a few guys that I really like that uh, I you know I that uh, I have going in round one that might shock some people. I am a big Sam Merrill guy. So, and so, uh, I, you know, I probably, me and probably one other person think he can, he, he can go in round one, but I'm big on Sam Merrill. I think his, his stuff could translate. Peyton Pritchard too is another guy I'm really high on, but, uh, uh, that, that, I thought those, long those and hard about putting Peyton Pritchard and 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 making his pick with with the Lakers selection. Yes, I thought yes. long and hard about that. That's been a popular um, buzz topic, especially in social media, and I think it's something that absolutely could happen on draft night. Yeah. I like the Najee fit better, but Peyton Pritchard. I've talked about him how how much I like him as a, as an NBA ready guard um, yeah, to come in and help a rotation right away. I agree with I agree with both those guys. I like Merrill too as a shooter. I I agree with both of them. So um, Chris. It's been a pleasure having you on the show again for, for anybody who hasn't followed you or listened to you yet. Where, where can they find all of your stuff on social media? Yes, yes, Nate. Thanks for having me on the show, man. This, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I appreciate you uh, having me on and uh, you can find me off the ball pod on Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, off the ball podcast on Facebook. Uh, do a lot. Of, I'm doing a, a lot of live shows, actually doing a, a, my uh, one more mock draft coming up this week. And uh, I'll have my big board up, my my last big board before the draft come up this week. So you can find all that stuff on, on social media. And uh, I have a network, a sports network. So you can follow my network. Uh, you can go on the website off the ball. Uh, network.com also otb underscore network on twitter and off the ball network on instagram all that stuff so but yeah man this was a lot of fun man i i really appreciate you having me on it was an honor to be on the show you know uh i uh i don't i'm not i'm not as uh as as uh you know as knowledgeable as you and a lot of these other draft you know draft guys but you know to have the honor of you know, be able to learn from you guys and understand these prospects more. Uh, it's just, it's been so much fun and uh, the draft's almost here. So I'm excited, but thank you once again, thanks for having me on. This was just, this was a blast, man. No problem. No problem, man. I, I love the conversation. I love being able to talk draft. Obviously if I didn't love it, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast or creating this yeah. platform, but any, anytime I can with, with anyone who wants to, to continue to learn who, who has a great opinion that needs to get out there I'm always willing to do it, man, and and hopefully we'll we'll have you back on um, sometime yes. soon. So everybody out there, flood flood his social media accounts yes. with your draft takes. Flood the draft deeper social media account with your draft takes. Yes. Um, and be ready next week. Draft deeper will be on Twitch. We're going to be doing a live stream for the draft starting at 6:30 Eastern time. Yes. Um, the link, more information will be out 
um, on social media in the coming days. But get ready for that. I- I'm excited, Chris. I, you're probably as excited as I am, man. I, I-, I can't wait for the draft. I'm nervous, bro. Especially being a Knicks fan, we're always uh, <laughs> we're always uh, we're always in the top eight, ten. So there's always there's always nervous times in, in Knicks land. But but we got Leon, and I trust Leon in the process. So hopefully, you know, we get things back in order. But the draft is well, we're a week away, so I'm excited, man. It's been I, a long been a long time. We've been waiting for this, right, man? We've been waiting for eight months. It feels like we've been waiting years for this, but it's finally coming, and I'm excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris, I wish the best of luck to you and your New York Knicks and the rest of your fan base and and everyone else listening to this podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you, man. God bless.